Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey, folks, welcome back to the show. Before we talk about the episode, I want to talk to you just for a short little minute about one of our sponsors. Whether you've been listening to this podcast for a long time or a short time, you probably know that one of the non-negotiable anchors of my longevity stack is spermidine by primidine made by Oxford HealthSpan. I take it myself and recommend it to my family, my friends, and all my clients. Spermidine was used for centuries by ancient Japanese emperors who knew a thing or two about longevity, and it's been a staple in the diets of Okinawan centenarians. And now modern science is finally catching up and validating the hows and the whys. Spermidine is a must-have tool in our smart aging arsenal. Not only does it positively impact nine of the 12 hallmarks of aging, but it also triggers beauty from within. Studies demonstrate that it supports hair growth, nail growth, as well as promoting collagen and elastin production. It also modulates circadian rhythm and improves cognition. And I've seen these benefits in myself, my clients, and my parents. This supplement absolutely works. I also want to say a couple of words about why I choose primidine specifically, and that is because it is food-derived spermidine. It is not synthetic. And this supplement also includes a prebiotic to feed the gut bugs that make your own spermidine. It includes spermine and putrescine, which are the precursors to spermidine. And just as importantly is what it doesn't include. They have removed these delicate omega-6 fatty acids that so easily can go rancid in these supplements. So this is a top-notch supplement. Now, does it sound too good to be true to you? Listen, you don't have to take my word for it. Just head over to OxfordHealthSpan.com and read the borderline miraculous reviews from other users. And if you want to try it for yourself, use code BIONAT15 for a discount. All right, now let's talk a little bit about today's episode. Look, if we were to look back at the last 200 years, we would see that human body clearly was not designed to deal with the drugs, chemicals, and pollutants that are part of the modern day world. And this is why it is so important for us to support our liver health for our overall well-being. The liver is basically our processing plant for toxins, and it all also comes back to gut health. Microbiome imbalances in the gut also directly affect our liver detoxification pathways. My guest today is a guy that I've gotten to know now over the past year, and he never ceases to amaze me with his brilliance in formulating the most unbelievable stacks for very specific purposes. His name is Kyle Vanderleest. He is the founder of Level Up Health. We're discussing everything you need to know about how to optimize your liver health, how it connects to the health of your gut, and how our body detoxifies itself. We also dive into the skin issues that can arise from the body releasing toxins, and how if your detox pathways aren't optimized, your skin is ultimately not going to look as good as it could. Kyle Vanderleest is a nutritionist, a naturopath, and a functional health coach turned formulator who now runs Level Up Health. He founded Level Up Health to create powerful cutting edge supplement tools that people could use to improve their health using the unique formulations that combined orally bioavailable peptides with naturopathic botanicals and nutritional supplement ingredients. Kyle's products are a fusion of different health modalities. Using what works, no matter where it comes from, Level Up's formulations work on a multitude of biochemical targets in the body to target the root cause of health issues and give people products that actually work as promised. 
These products are the result of years of Kyle's self-trial and error, research and study, and an unrelenting health obsession fueled by a multitude of, sadly, his own and his family's health challenges. We talk about gut issues, hormonal dysregulation, liver dysfunction, histamine intolerance, neuroinflammation, EMF sensitivity, EBV and toxic mold exposure. I mean, Kyle and his family have gone through an array of health challenges and we are the beneficiaries because each one of these health challenges ultimately inspired Kyle to create supplemental tools to help rectify those issues. Kyle is also a new dad. So if you happen to reach out for him for anything, congratulate him on, on his new arrival. He had just, 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 I think his baby was maybe two days old when we recorded this podcast. Now, to check out the offerings at Level Up Health, go to leveluphealth.com. And to spell that, it's lvluphealth.com. No ease in level. And you can use code NAT10 to save 10% off any size order. To connect with Kyle, you can find him on Instagram, leveluphealth or through his website, leveluphealth.com. Now guys, if you get value from this episode or you know anybody else who really needs this information, please make sure that you share this episode with your friends, your families, or your networks, whoever, wherever, however, because that's how we find more people who can benefit from the information we're putting out there. In addition, if you're feeling inspired, please make sure to leave us a review because it's those reviews that help us to rise up the ranks and helps me to ultimately connect with more amazing people to bring you in these interviews. Last but not least, if you're trying to get in touch with me, natnidham.com, my website is the best bet for you to do that. You can join my newsletter. You can find out about my private membership community, the BSP community on Mighty Networks, where I do live Q and A's every single week. Uh, you'll get information on my recently released peptide crash course, and also on my upcoming women's longevity and resilience retreat from November 1st to 6th in the Dominican Republic. One last little message before we jump into the episode. And this has to do with a mineral. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are actually supplementing with magnesium on a daily basis? How many of you used to, but stopped? It never ceases to amaze me how this one simple supplement can have so many benefits for our health, from better sleep to improved energy and better mood. And over 75% of people have a deficiency and those benefits are just the tip of the iceberg. Magnesium is involved in over 300 chemical processes, so it's really easy to become deficient. And when that happens, a lot can start to slide. On the upside, keeping your magnesium levels topped up can have a positive impact on your sleep, your energy, your digestion, your both health, and so much more. But the trick is getting access to several different forms of magnesium to address all those different needs your body has. And this is why I use and recommend Magnesium Breakthrough, the only organic full-spectrum magnesium that's going to deliver seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. All you have to do to get your hands on some is go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash bionat. And make sure that you use discount code BIONAT10 to save 10% off your order. Plus, you will get some amazing gifts with your purchase. So once again, that's magbreakthrough.com forward slash BIONAT. Don't forget to use discount code BIONAT10. And now let's dive into the episode. Enjoy. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. 
Kyle Vanderlees, welcome back to the podcast and congratulations on the new addition to your family. Thank you, Nat. I'm a new dad and very happy to welcome my son, Luca, into the world. Yes, very exciting. And uh, I'm very excited that you were able to, you know, pull yourself together after just uh, a couple of days of, uh, of Luke. It's Luca or Luca? Luca. Yeah, Luca hitting the world, as you said, you know, his circadian rhythm is a little on the reverse side right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, we've spoken about, you've spoken about nootropics and I can definitely attest to their benefits when you're running on a little bit, a little bit less sleep than you used to, pushing some alpha GPC and some dopaminergic things has got the brain firing well, so ready to roll. <laughs> nice. Well, just make sure you get a nap in there somewhere. Otherwise, you're going to end up <laughs> burning the candle at both ends, but I don't need to tell you that. So, um, so anyway, so Kyle, this is our second episode together. So guys, people, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to listen to the first episode that we, we released. And I think it was in September of 2022, um, where we talk about, well, I have to say, we talk about probably the best, most comprehensive gut healing formula that is on the market right now that Kyle designed. And um, we talk about gut health. It's it's a really good episode. We're going to talk a little bit about that supplement at the end of the podcast. But today, what we really wanted to talk about was detoxification, liver health, and some of those pathways. Uh, because, of course, Kyle, having designed this powerful, uber amazing gut healing supplement, doesn't want to stop there because, you know, he's he's like, well, what else is going on? Oh, yeah, the liver from from gut, we go to liver, from liver, we go to hormones. So so our stop today is with the liver. <laughs> well, thanks for that intro and the kind words about GI repair. I think prior to our episode, I just I was just about to release it with KPV added to it and that's been added and yeah, so far, a really good response to the KPV being put in there. And yeah, as we said, if people want to learn about that product and gut health, we'll get, they'll go back to the last one. But on this episode, I kind of wanted to reverse engineer sort of the steps in health. Like uh, Hippocrates said, all health begins in the gut. Well, when the gut is negatively affected, we have things like lipopolysaccharide from maybe dysbiosis or negative um, bacteria in our gut. And then that directly affects our liver detoxification pathways, namely phase one, because when we look at the liver, the liver is basically our our processing plant for toxins. It doesn't accumulate toxins. This is a common myth that I see online yeah. where people say, oh, I'm not going to eat liver. It's full of poisons and toxins. Well, that's not where they accumulate in the body. They usually accumulate in adiposity in the, in fat, either fatty organs, if you don't have any fat or in your own visceral obesity. Um, but yeah, when we look at the liver, there's basically phase one, uh, intermediary, intermediary phase and phase yeah. two, they yeah. are within, within the liver. And then the main one of issue for a lot of people is phase three, which is their drainage pathways, which can be through the bile. It can be to the kidneys and it can be through the skin and through the lymphatics. So those are the sort of umbrella topics when we look at liver health. And they're really important to understand because phase one is one of the phases of liver detoxification. Um, It's the first one, hence phase one. And it's constantly upregulated because the big thing that gets phase one detoxification going is exposure to toxins. Mm-hmm. And that can be alcohol. That can even be caffeine. Caffeine upregulates phase one. Um, lipopolysaccharides probably the biggest one because that's not only 
directly inflammatory to the gut, it causes systemic inflammation, which is not good as well. But even things like certain drugs and medications upregulate phase one, certain botanicals as well. I think it's either grapefruit or St. John's wort. One goes one way, one goes the other. I'm not sure if you remember. Grapefruit is one of those things that for people who are on certain drugs like statins, it you have to watch it watch with eat. as a matter of fact they're told not to eat grapefruit because it upregulate i believe what it does is it upregulates phase one detoxification mm-hmm. and it creates a situation where whatever dose they're taking becomes much more potent and then they can end up with toxicity from it but you know i think what's really one of the points that you made which i think is very important for 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 all of us to remember is that you know because phase one is very often the one it's it's the one that goes right those metabolites that that intermediate stage for toxins quite often is actually more toxic than what you started with in the first place and this is where when phase two is sluggish or it's blocked or we don't have whatever cofactors we need to enable those six phase two pathways to happen that's where people start to get into trouble and toxic you know can end up with some kind of toxic buildup so Anyway, so just to just to make that point, and then to your point with the phase three, which is really the elimination pathways, it's that thing where, you know, if your practitioners ever said that to you, and I know it was one of the things that was really impressed on me when I was in school, which was before you start supporting detoxification for your clients, make sure that you've opened the pathways of elimination. Otherwise, things are really going to go sideways. Like imagine that you... You're taking out the trash, there's nowhere to put it, and it starts backing up back into the house, basically. And that's kind of the equivalent of your, as you said, your those pathways of elimination being the kidneys and urine, uh, through the skin, sweat, through the large intestine, um, through the bow- bowels, through um poop. I was going to say urination. That's not right. Um, <laughs> um, and even the lungs, right? Even the lungs yeah. are an organ of de- a pathway of detoxification and the lymph, lymph lymphatic system. Um, so, so yeah, so taking care of all those pathways and, you know, the beauty of a guy like you is you're going to sit there and dive deep into every one of those and come up with pearls for each, each of these pathways. So I'm going to let you rip away here, but He's All he's right, rubbing well, his hands. For those of you not watching, not watching on uh, on YouTube, he's rubbing his hands together, going, "All right, let me add it." <laughs> All right. Well, as I said earlier, I think it's best to start backwards, and we'll go back to the gut to start because I think that's the most poignant place to begin. Um, if you've, I mentioned, if you have dysbiosis, um, this can lead to issues with the liver. This is because certain bacteria, um, I believe they're firmicutes, um, certain Clostridia species and fungal overgrowth, they they liberate metabolized hormones. And basically they love estrogen. Estrogen is one of the big ones that they, that really feeds their growth. It feeds cancer growth. It's really pro, um, pro-anabolic, pro-growth. Um, so they, if your body has attempted to remove estrogen, if it sees it in the bowels, if it's weakly bound, then the fungus and the bacteria species will break the bond between estrogen and one of the conjugations. Usually um, glucuronidation is that um, conjugation pathway which deals with estrogen. But they'll break that bond, use the estrogen for their growth, and then send it back into circulation through what's called hepatobiliary recirculation. 
they don't want this estrogen going because it helps their survival. It doesn't necessarily help humans. It, it's very pro-obesogenic. Um, excess estrogen's really not the best for thyroid function. Um, it's not the best for histamine issues. And as a, as a man and as a woman, too much estrogen can be quite feminizing and it, it's a problem there. So um, in the in the bowels, you can use a supplement called calcium deglucurate and yeah. you can get, um, what's it called again? Glucuronic acid from food. Um, these, these, these supplements and this, um, this compound are beneficial because if ever you have a fungal species or a bacterial species that break the bond between estrogen or any of the hormones, actually, for that matter, then the calcium deglucurate will be in the bowels and it will bind to that estrogen almost irreversibly and allow it to remove itself. So people who have estrogen dominance issues um, and low thyroid, which usually goes along with that, um, they can benefit greatly from calcium deglucurate. And um, that's basically one of the only supplements we do have for glucuronidation, which is one of the six pathways for elimination um, of hormones and of toxins as well. It's not just hormones that it deals with, but it's mainly in the human body, those. Mm -hmm. um, to step back to sort of a bigger picture, we do need to support liver health overall for well-being because if we look back 200, 300 years, um, human evolution is not sort of designed to deal with drug drugs, with chemicals, pollutants, additives, artificials, mold toxins. I mean, mold toxins, actually, they are. Because we are, was, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> they, been around they've been around while. longer than uh, us. <laughs> exactly, but it's more the petrochemicals and the agricultural ingredients like glyphosate, atrazine, all the, I don't know, 30 different things we put on our food. That's not what we're designed to deal with, but it's what we're having to deal with in the modern world. Before that, it was just mainly um, phytonutrients, like things from plants, plant toxins, as people like Paul Saladino say, oh, you can't have them at all because they're toxic. But that's actually what actually upregulates phase one detoxification normally in our body if in an ideal world without all of these insults to our physiology. Mm -hmm. It's the it's things like resveratrol. It's things that might be slightly slightly toxic in high dose, but in small dose, it's sort of like an, a stressor which sort of upregulates and gets our body going. But yeah, to, to loop back, those are really the things we're meant to be dealing with. It's meant to be food and environmental. It's not meant to be all these other, I think there's 9,000 chemicals that the body that people are exposed to. And um, there's a, a study called the 10 Americans. It's a bit of an old one, but they looked at the cord blood of newborn babies and they found something like 250 uh, chemicals in cord blood in newborn babies. Yeah. So the fact that a lot of those are also forever chemicals. I don't know if you've seen the um, the movie called Blackwater. I think it was. It's no, about, I haven't, uh, but I've I've heard about it and heard about. I mean, it's it's you know the state of the world right now. It's pretty toxic. So definitely, there's a reason why mm. we're talking about this. You know, a lot of but you get a lot of people out there. There's this narrative that you know detoxification. Um, that detox products are not necessary. The body is plenty able to detox. And, and I would agree with that. And a lot of what you're talking about, what we're talking about is helping the body to optimize those detoxification pathways. We're not doing the detox for the body here, but mm -hmm. you know, you were just talking a minute ago about hormetic stressors and the difference between that hormesis, which is that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of stressor, right? So it's a stressor that the body can handle and upregulates those pathways versus you know, toxin on top of toxin on top of toxin, where you get to the point where the body just cannot cope. 
with mm-hmm. the load anymore. And I think that's that's what we're seeing. And you know, seeing those kinds of toxins in cord blood for newborn babies, it's I mean, it's nothing short of terrifying at this point. It is. I don't want to be too doom and gloom though, because as yeah. you said, the liver does take care of it does take care of things provided you take care of the liver. And if you exactly. remove a lot of if you remove a lot of the burden through simple things like eating organic, like filtering your water, then you are removing a huge amount of the burden that is maybe making your life difficult or make, making your liver's life difficult. And that's sort of where I link um, gut health with liver health. If your gut health is fine, you don't have leaky gut, you don't have dysbiosis, then a huge amount of the burden that is put upon the liver is removed. Mm-hmm. If you don't have huge amounts of lipopolysaccharide, which is the big one I keep coming back to, but it is the most inflammatory, one of the most inflammatory things that we'll ever see in our circulation. Um, if you can reduce the amount of that that gets in by fixing like hyperpermeability of the gut, then you are straight away supporting phase, um, reducing phase one. So reducing the toxic burden on the liver and you're reducing the backlog that ends up occurring in phase two and in the intermediary phase. Um, to touch on the phase two and intermediary phase, um, a lot of the superfoods that people um, consume are rich in like brassicas, onions, uh, like all the soup, the greens powders. They'll they'll be full of um, compounds that really support antioxidant compounds, which sort of quench the um, the phase one to phase two conversion. Because in phase one, the the toxins are quite fat soluble. Yeah. And then they are converted to become more polar, so they're more likely to bind to a conjugation pathway to be removed. But in that process, they become more reactive and quite inflammatory and they can create reactive oxygen species and free radicals. And this is where you might see a lot of actual elevation of liver enzymes um, if you are producing a lot of these intermediate metabolites that aren't getting quenched by things like vitamin C, vitamin E, selenium, glutathione, NAC, and yeah. supporting systems like superoxide dismutase. These are really um, important things to support there. Um, and then the other step is once they've been converted from the fat-soluble, less polar form of a toxin um, or even a metabolite of our own body, our own hormones, clearing them through, they need to be conjugated. So conjugation is basically like putting the toxin or the hormone in the bus to send it off, get out of your body through one of the elimination pathways we spoke about before. Yep. Um, there's six six of these pathways. Um, glutathione conjugation is probably one of the most important ones. Glutathione is the body's master antioxidant. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere in our body. I think even in certain organs, the millimole concentration is similar to blood sugar. So it's very important. Um, things that deplete it, obviously, are, again, toxin exposure. But over-exercising is a big one I want to actually touch on as well because if people are exercising and overly stressed, then that glutathione is being used to reduce the damage or not reduce, but to deal with the damage that's been caused by the overexercising. Chronic cardio is terrible for, it's good for cardiovascular health. It's good for drainage. It's There's so many good things, but also, but important to note is if you're not actively supporting your own glutathione and your own antioxidant pathways, you could be depleting them to the point where something like a cancer, I don't want to fear monger around cancer, but we need these anti-inflammatory um, anti-inflammatory systems to be working really well in the body. Otherwise, we can get a lot of damage accumulate and then they mm-hmm. might never actually top up completely unless we support them. So that's 
one of the conjugation pathways, and that's usually one where people have a deficiency in because of glutathione's ubiquitous nature in the body, it will be used elsewhere and in the liver too. So supporting that, like NAC is a very, very commonly used product and that directly supports, it's the precursor to glutathione. So a lot of people take NAC. In the gut too, it has benefits as it just as NAC, N-acetylcysteine, because mm-hmm. we spoke earlier about the gut health and how if you've got dysbiosis, you can have recirculation of hormones. NAC not only supports glutathione um, to reduce those intermediate metabolites and to conjugate the toxins, but NAC is also fantastic for biofilms. And biofilms are like this little mucus, mucus um, membrane surrounding certain bacteria species that make them resistant to antibiotics mm-hmm. and protect them from your own immune system. So a lot of the pathogenic bacteria and even certain fungi and mold have a biofilm around them. And NAC is fantastic at breaking down biofilm. There's other things like digestive enzymes too, which are awesome. And there's certain botanicals that you can use. Yeah. I think some of the citrus citrus oils and stuff like that have really good anti-biofilm effects. For sure. Um, mm. Sure. Yeah, no, yeah. So yeah, go ahead. So NAC is really important for every level in the detoxification bar phase one. Um, for assisting with glutathione for the intermediate, for assisting with glutathione conjugation, and for supporting the breakdown of biofilms. Um, in the liver complex product that I'm just bought out, it actually got finished today, so it's good timing. Um, did it really? Is, yeah, <laughs> oh, many delays on that. Unfortunately, when you have as many ingredients many of which are not commonly found in the industry. One delay can take up to four weeks, five weeks to rectify. So it's finally out, even though I think I was teasing it on the last show or maybe last time we spoke. But um, yeah, I, I use two forms of NAC in that. One's just the standard N-acetylcysteine and the other form is called NACET and that stands for N-acetylcysteine ethyl ester. And okay. by adding, by conjugating NAC with the ethyl ester group, you get substantially better absorption and it's actually capable of getting into the brain as that NAC ET form. So that would support things, uh, that would support glutathione levels within your brain as a really powerful antioxidant into the brain, which can have, you know, it's a liver product, but the implications for that are every neurodegenerative disease supporting glutathione in the brain, reducing the inflammatory burden on the brain is really um, something that we should look at. Um, And yeah, replenishing glutathione, it does the exact same thing as NAC would in the liver, in the, in the mucous membranes, everywhere in our body uses glutathione. So this product's not just for liver health. It's sort of like the main tag, but by using NAC and the cofactors like selenium and um, what's the other one, um, molybdenum, we're res- supporting not only the production of glutathione, but the recycling of it because glutathione needs to be recycled in order to keep working. Yeah. There are ingredients like PQQ, um, which are fantastic antioxidants for that intermediary phase. And I believe they last a lot longer before they need recycling. I don't know if you've used PQQ before now. Yeah, I use I've used it for sure, but I've never associated it with this stuff necessarily. It's more I've always thought of it more for mitochondria. Mm, fantastic for mitochondria, definitely, but also fantastic for that intermediary phase. I didn't mm-hmm. use it in this product because it's not actually supportive of those conjugation pathways. Okay. The, the it's wildly expensive too, right? I mean, I think it would have driven the price of your product through the roof. And and knowing you, <laughs> we haven't gone through the all the ingredients yet, but I'm sure there's uh, plenty in there to. Um, to sink our teeth into 
I've never shied away from ins- expensive ingredients, as I'm sure you're aware if you've used level up products before. But um, yeah, PQQ just didn't actually make a lot of sense because the, the liver complex product is basically built to support those six conjugation pathways. There's the cofactors for sulfation, uh, methylation, acetylation, glutathione conjugation, and amino acid conjugation. There's something for all of those in there. And yes. then on top of that, there's the ingredients that you need to recycle glutathione. And there's a new ingredient that I've added that doesn't actually support those, but was so there was so much evidence surrounding its um, its use for liver health, and for certain um, mold byproducts, acetyl aldehyde. It helps break down ethanol and mold byproducts. And this ingredient was called is called dihydromyricetin. And well, that's the one that got held up at customs, right? Yep. Yep. That I'm actually, it was so wrapped on and I'm making it as a standalone product a little bit later because it has a huge market for alcohol intoxication and reducing hangovers. It's actually um, an anti-hangover ingredient. Um, oh, I, I think, think Michaela- I've seen it. I've seen it in a, in a formula somewhere that is marketed as an anti-hangover um, formula. Mm. So Yeah, that- I, I think it's called DHM, dihydromyricetin. Okay. And that's um that increases the enzymatic activity of ADH and ALDH. So the two enzymes which convert ethanol through to acetaldehyde through to I think acetate's the end product. I can't mm-hmm. remember. But um yeah, so it just supports those enzymes and helps sort of clear clear out alcohol so you don't have as bad of a hangover because it's usually the acetaldehyde accumulation for people who have a hangover the next day. But also people who have fungal infections, they might have candidiasis or systemic candida, or they're living in mold. This was my journey, and I shared this last time when I lived in mold. I kind of felt like a low-level drunk at some points when I was really bad and in a really bad situation with the mold. And from my understanding, it's because of the the mold biotoxins actually Mm -hmm. release acetaldehyde. So if someone, this product, the liver complex, is was formulated by looking at those pathways, but it was also the ingredients that I used when I was living in mold to support my own liver health and the things that I used to clear um, my hormones, which were thrown out of whack thanks to that. It was also used to um, just get my health back from the mold exposure. So it's sort of a, a product that I made out of personal necessity and something that I wish I had so I didn't have to use eight different products. Again, same rationale as the GI Repair. Just yeah. rather than take one from here, one from here, one from here, and then you end up with a handful of maybe eight, nine, ten different capsules. Just having an all-in-one is really pretty much the rationale behind everything I make. So that's where liver complexes come in, and those are some big reasons why I think it's really important for people to support their liver. Um, and, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you've got anything else to add with that. No? <laughs> well, no, I think that, you know, what's 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 great about the way that you work, and we talked about this earlier, is is looking at this at this liver complex that you've you're just I mean, you, you're just about to launch it. Right. It's called it's mm-hmm. the complete liver complex um, and tying it back to gut health, tying it back to hormone balance, tying it back to you know, so many people and possibly myself included, like we have a mutual friend, Dr. Grace Liu, and, you know, I've had a few things going on over the last little while. And she's like, Nat, there's mold in your house. I'm telling you right now. So 
you know, to your point, we can't always remove ourselves from that environment as fast as we might like. Remediation may or may not be um, a possibility. And frankly, I've spoken to lots of people who've remediated their homes and still have issues because those mold spores get everywhere. Like you just, you almost have to start over to get to get rid of them. But, um, and the toxins that they release um, mm-hmm. is, it's not just the the live mold. Sometimes it's the dead mold or it's the, it's the byproducts of their digestion or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, that is the problem. So having a product that helps your body to deal with that, you know, again, like it's, it's a little bit of a nod to, we can't live in a pristine environment. We can't always control our environment. So what you've gone ahead and done is said, okay, well, what can we do to create something that supports the body's systems? And I want to keep stressing that because this isn't um, this isn't a product that detoxifies your body. I think you know it's that's a really bad word game kind of thing that ties people up in knots. What we're doing here is we are identifying what are the pathways that the body uses to to deal with toxins and how can we help them to be better, right? And this, you know, even talking about something like molybdenum, which is, it's, you know, it's funny when you get exposed to some of these words and you never forget them, right? It's, <laughs> it, molybdenum is a word that either you will never be able to remember or you will never forget. And I remember learning in school that people, you know how you meet people sometimes who literally cannot digest garlic? Mm. Um, well, a lot of those people have a deficiency in this little trace. I think it's a mineral, right? It's a little trace yeah. mineral with a big giant name called molybdenum. And I guess molybdenum must be must somehow upregulate that pathway that helps to detoxify sulfur. And so those people are deficient in molybdenum and therefore cannot digest garlic. So anyway, that's just your useless fact for the day. Um, it might come in candy one day at a in a trivial pursuit game or something. <laughs> or, or if you can't digest garlic, that's a little a, a valuable nugget that helps you actually have that wonderful uh, wonderful uh, flavor. Yeah, no, exactly. It just it just might work. Let's um talk a little more because the other product that you have that really addresses this whole system, if you will not so much on the detox front, but is Tutka, right? Mm. You've got standalone product called Tutka, which is really about supporting bile and bioflow, which as you just said earlier, bile is a massively important component of detoxification because it's one of the ways that the body binds up toxins and removes them from the body. Do you want to talk about your Tutka Mm -hmm. a little bit? And I, I know that there's one guy there's at least one guy in in my communities who's obsessed with finding Tudka that's not from China. And I actually am mm-hmm. not sure that that's even possible. So it's maybe not. You, it's not. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> maybe you want to talk about that a little bit, that ingredient. It doesn't have anything to do with the complete liver complex, except that, frankly, if you're doing the complete liver complex, you might want to do Tudka alongside it at some point, but maybe talking about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So in the complete liver complex, I do have globe artichoke, which is what is referred to as a cholagog and a choleratic. These two terms basically mean production of bile and it stimulates the contraction of the bile duct to release bile. So that in and of itself is going to support um, that phase three, that bile flow. But TUDCA stands for um, toro-urso deoxycholic acid. 
Yeah. And this is a water-soluble bile salt. So it basically increases the runniness of your bile. And if anyone's got um, cholestasis or really thick bile, um, the bile, the, the gallbladder squeezing out um, bile and the conjugated toxins is the main way in which the liver detoxifies um, any of the conjugates that it's made from from that the detoxification pathways so if you've got gallbladder insufficiency if you've got a removed if you've had your gallbladder removed surgically then you aren't going to be eliminating the tox it'll just if you've had it removed you're just gonna have this small little trickle of, of bile coming mm-hmm. out is not like the worst thing in the world at least you're at least it's still moving but if people have taken certain compounds or they've been exposed like i know with mold that that thickens up your 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 bile flow it makes your bile really viscous and almost like sludge yeah um first time i took tudka i had this almighty green movement um as i as i opened up that pathway of drainage for the first time properly um there was even black things coming out in it too it was just very gross and i'll save the the gruelly i've already said all the gruelly details so we'll just move on from um but (laughs) Well, and I, and I think it's worth mentioning that that sludgy bile, thick bile, is the precursor to gallstones. Exactly. Um, as the as the bile gets thicker and thicker, and you get less and less movement of the bile out of the through the bile ducts, that's where you get this this opportunity for stagnation and the formation, which can help and contribute to the formation of gallstones. Yeah, especially those cholesterol-based ones. Um, you need a heap of phospholipids as well, and that's where also in complete liver complex we've added phosphatidylcholine. So that's providing the uh, the phospholipids to in to help with the bile flow on top of the global artichoke, which helps with production and release of bile. And then if you really need extra support, then Tudka is just fantastic. It it has a host of benefits way beyond just liver health too. Um, it reduces endoplasmic reticulum stress, so it really helps with protein folding. Um, my partner took a lot of that um, to support her her pregnancy and, you know, to help hope make little Luca, my bub. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Help his development. But um, another big thing too, and this is liver health, and it's also related to bile, is um, bile increases the activity of deiodinase enzymes. And these deiodinase, deiodinase enzymes convert a- a inactive thyroid hormone T4 through to T3. So right. if someone's had their bile, um, if someone's had their gallbladder removed, then you're, you're very likely to end up developing thyroid issues. And then if you've got thyroid issues, then you can get insulin resistance issues too. So if someone's has had their gallbladder removed, it's very important to supplement either an ox bile. So you have enough bile to A, help you with fat digestion, but B, also support your own thyroid conversion. And then the other thing that bile does is it increases GLP-1 release. And, you know, GLP-1 at the moment is... The darling. Yes, yes. The darling of uh, peptides. Um, It definitely doesn't come without some side effects as a peptide. I know a lot of people have nausea from it. Um, But, you know, Tudka and supporting bile is going to elicit that same satiety signal through GLP-1. So, yeah, that's another reason to support your own bile flow. Things like... Bitters, bitters are really are really good for supporting bile flow. All the herbs that we use in naturopathy that stimulate bile flow are usually really bitter. Or even coffee. Coffee is a fantastic um, thing to have to support bile release. It's really um, really good for that. And yeah, that's about all I really have off the top of my head about Tudka. 
Hey guys, let's take a quick second to thank our sponsor for this episode, Berkeley Life Nitric Oxide. Folks, if nitric oxide is not part of your daily regimen, you will definitely want to listen to the rest of this message. Get this, your body is home to over 60,000 miles of blood vessels and nitric oxide helps circulate blood to all of those vessels through vasodilation. And while it's made naturally in the body, we produce less nitric oxide as we age, resulting in diminished blood flow, less effective circulation of critical oxygen, key nutrients, and glucose. Berkeley Life is my go-to for nitric oxide support. I take my two dietary nitrate capsules in the morning and I'm good to go. The more I learn about nitric oxide, including its impact on proper hormone balance and oxidative stress, the more I encourage my clients to join me in incorporating Berkeley Life's easy daily supplement into their daily wellness routine. Berkeley Life's high quality supplements are available on berkeleylife.com, but you're going to need my practitioner code N-I-D-D-B-L when you register and check out for 10% off your first order. All right, let's get back to the show. I just want to dial back to a big word that you said earlier, the endoplasmic reticulum, just in case people don't know what that is. Endoplasmic reticulum is an organelle. So, you know, your cells are teeny tiny little universes and they're filled with things called organelles. So they're different basically baby organs that do different functions. So you have your mitochondria, everybody, at this point, everybody knows what mitochondria are, they're little energy factories in the cell, but endoplasmic reticulum is this, this organelle that basically is one of the stages of making, building proteins and making sure that they're folded properly so that they can serve their functions. So I just wanted to go back to that because um, you did mention misfolded proteins. That's actually one of the hallmarks of aging. And so if we're going to stay younger, longer, or take longer to get older, then getting those proteins folded properly and having these detoxification pathways optimized is going to be Crucial. Now we wanted to talk a little bit also. So we talked about bile and we talked about the kidneys re removing the water soluble toxins that the, that the liver has, has kind of um, dealt with, but then there's also the skin. And we were talking about this before we started recording the podcast where, you know, very often, and again, those of us who are in this space know that skin issues that, that pop up very often can be a sign of the body releasing toxins and it doesn't have any other way to do it. And it's going to push it out through the skin and people end up with acne and, and these sometimes these weird skin conditions. Like I was doing, I was doing a program recently that was really pushing my detox pathways. And I ended up with this weird little red irritated patch of skin on, on my upper abdomen. And I was, at first I was like, well, did I do something? And all of a sudden I realized, you know, I'm pushing all these toxins. I wonder if this is just an expression of toxins trying to get out that couldn't find their way out any other way kind of thing. So maybe you want to talk about that a little bit about where the skin comes into play and how, again, taking care of the liver has a massive impact and, and the gut microbiome actually gut health, but both it's of these are intrinsically tied to skin health. Yeah, it's all related. Like if you are reductionist and look at a single system, then you can get kind of lost at seeing the holism of the body and how the gut ties to the liver health, the liver health then ties to drainage and then skin and hormones and hormones as well will directly influence the skin. So by supporting hormone removal with liver complex with Tudka, then a lot of skin conditions are driven by hormone excess. 
Um, things like DIM is a is something that a lot of people take if they have too many hormones. Yeah. Indole-3-carbinol is another one of the brassica-derived ingredients that helps sort of bring down overall um, hormone levels. But um, back to Tudka, sorry, I'll just wrap off with that. Another thing it does is bile acids and Tudka also have a mod modifi- modifying effect on the microbiome. They mm. actually prevent small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So a lot of people who have had their gallbladder removed and aren't taking anything to support bile end up with SIBO. And that's because Tudka and all of the bile acids basically push it back down where it belongs instead of it being in the ileum the sort of huh. the last third of the small intestine, it keeps it where it needs to be in the more so in the colon. Um, but yeah, to your point with skin, um, a lot of people who sauna will notice sort of if they haven't done it for a while and they get into the sauna and they start sweating a lot that, you know, it, it's either going to go one of two ways. Your skin's yeah. going to be absolutely amazing and you're going to be glowing or you're going to have little breakouts usually on your face too. I think it's like Chinese medicine or one of the principles that sort of, if you look at a map of the face where you get breakouts sort of yes. uh, correlates to certain organs that are either under, under stress or are detoxifying. So the skin's fascinating. And I look at the skin sort of like, almost like the gut lining too. Like it's, it's all part of our first line of defense. It's our barrier in and within. So if we support gut health, we will indirectly directly support skin health too. If you don't have that inflammation from the gut, then you're less likely to be inflamed in the skin. You're not going to burn as easily if you're exposed to the sun. And then if you don't have that leaky gut, if you don't have those gut issues, then your liver is dealing with all that toxic burden much better than it would otherwise. And therefore your skin doesn't have to come in to be um, sort of the backup to the liver, if if you will. And the kidneys too. A lot of people who end up with kidney issues, uh, you can treat that with certain things like aged garlic. Um, there's plenty of things that sort of help the kid support the kidneys. But my approach, if you've got some kidney issues and that sort of presents in elevated blood pressure, um, electrolyte imbalances, I think you kind of need to go a bit above the kidneys and don't just get fixated on them. Look at the liver, look at skin, look at drainage, support those. And usually um, kidney issues will resolve by uh, indirectly supporting the other systems because it's mm-hmm. all in before it's all interrelated so um a lot a lot of people in your community are really keen on skin health and i think it's a discrepancy between what we're talking about now which is just keeping the skin healthy um supporting that as its own detoxification organ and then there's sort of skin peptides too which is sort of like all right you've got your skin at this baseline level where you might not be getting active from hormonal issues or you, you might have rosacea or some sort of thing that you've had in the past, but maybe taken care of by looking after yourself with good diet. Um, fat soluble vitamins like vitamin A is fantastic for skin. And again, this is where bile comes in. Bile and um, tudka help the absorption of these fat soluble vitamins too. Yeah. So again, everything's related. Um, so when we look at skin health, um, you can look at it through two lenses. And I think I've already discussed the first, which is just support the body. The next level is how do we reverse the aging process a little bit? And this is where companies like Young Goose and I think Asia Custom are currently the the two big players on the scene. And they will use peptides that a lot of your community know, like GHK, CU, publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then there's some of the Botox-like peptides, which I'm really fascinated in because I'm seeing a trend in the world, in young people especially, where they are getting lots of injectables, be it fillers, be it Botox, be it things I don't even know exist, but I'm sure would make my skin curl if I knew what they were. Yeah. 
So asking people to stop these things is a bit unrealistic because I'm not going to lie, when you've got this stuff, you feel probably feel very good. You feel very attractive and you like the look of your skin. So it's not about stopping it. It's more about finding a healthier way to do it and swapping for something else. And that's honestly where I think peptides come in because mm-hmm. you can get the same Botox-like effects from things like uh, SNAP8. That's a, a topical peptide or argrelene. Um, these have the same effect on acetylcholine. Um, the the neuro uh, what is it neuromuscular junction it inhibits acetylcholine, which basically freezes the muscle. That's the mechanism for how Botox works, and you can get the same mechanism from these peptides. Um, there's a few of them out there. I think um, SYNAKE is another one. Yeah. Um, that, that a lot of these are found as yeah. like solo. Synac, yeah, yeah. They, these are found sort of like as solo ingredients in a lot of skincare, but not really ever disclosed the percentage. So, you know, a lot of people, especially in Australia too, there's quite a um, there's quite an anti-skin peptide movement over here because a lot of doctors have seen people using them and saying they're absolutely useless. And then having tried so many, I can see why they say that because you'll get like a GHK CU cream and it's completely clear. I mean, without yeah, any. There actually it, is no GHK in it. Yeah. Yeah. Or if there is, it's like one one hundredth the dose. And they're like, oh, this doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, of course it doesn't work. Where's the actual peptide? Or maybe they've just put it in there as marketing. So um, the product that I'm bringing out is going to be like overdosed, if anything, with all these peptides and uh, combining the ones like GHK CU, AHK and um, palmitol GHK. These three peptides are all ones I spoke about, I think, on the last show, but these are all supporting the collagen networks of the skin. Um, yeah, tell me, tell me a bit about AHK because I'm AHK not as familiar with that. Of, oh, it's so similar to GHK. It's just um, uh, so they swap all the they, so that you basically swap out one uh, one one, of the, one yeah. amino acid. Yeah, I can't remember which one it is, but I'm sure it's well, very it's easy the to G. Google. Yeah, Without the G is out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But um, the one that I like the most for skincare is palmitol GHK because it's the okay. same as GHK, but um, it's got that palmitol group, which means it crosses the skin barrier a lot better than GHK CU. What you don't get from palmitol GHK, which is possibly one of the big benefits for GHK CU's um, anti-hair loss effect, is you don't get the copper acting on microbes on the skin. And a mm. lot of people, people might get um, microbial inf- inflammation in the hair follicle because of like a fungal or a microbial um, dysbiosis in their skin. So GHKCU, the copper fragment of that is an antimicrobial. So that really helps sort of right. reset. And, and if that is the big issue, then it'll help with that. And then you look at all the the um, growth factors that it stimulates, like fibroblast recruitment and a few of the um, anti-inflammatory pathways that it upregulates um what is it? TGF beta is another one that it helps with. Yeah, I mean GHK hits so many marks from a from an epigenetic perspective in terms of flipping genes on and off that need to be flipped on and off. It upregulates the youth genes, downregulates aging mm. genes. Like it's a very. I actually just recently recorded a podcast almost exclusively on GHK CU because oh. it's a skincare line that is blue. <laughs> like it is all blue. It's also antifibrotic, which also helps with the hair follicles. Like it, it's got a lot of different benefits. And it's interesting to me that, so you've basically in your formula, you've sourced and included all three of these 
GHK kind of analogs? Yep. Wow. That's the shotgun okay. approach. If one works, let's see what happens if we put them all together and then take those three and add another, I think I've got another eight. There's 11 total in the in the product. So, um, yeah, we'll have the first first sample batch this week and I'll send a few to you and we'll see what works. And it could be overkill. Like I could completely have messed it up by putting so many things in. But, yeah, it's just part of the biohacker in me wants to see if, a little, if one, one of them is good. You yeah. know, it stands to reason if you combine these things and sort of overlap some of the mechanisms for for anti aging, like even the the, the anti wrinkle effects of GHK. So you're going to get an, a direct, instantaneous anti wrinkle effect from these Botox like peptides, like the Frazel and Argrelin. But then on the other end, if you have the GHK or the AHK working sort of um, on the receptors to upregulate all these sort of anti aging, anti inflammatory genes too then you're hitting it acutely and long-term too to sort of bring mm-hmm. bring back to a really good state. But, um, yeah, I think that's kind of that's all I that's, have to say about skin yeah, health yeah, apart yeah. from so, so tell me, so for the Botox-like peptides, they – tell me how they're Botox-like because they don't – you're not going to have to worry about the negatives. I mean, we were talking about this before the podcast is that, you know, at the end of the day, anything you put into the body is going to have to get dealt with one way or the other. And – I think what's starting to what people are starting to understand is all these fillers and whatnot that people are pumping into their faces and they're being told, oh, the body's going to break it down and metabolize it and going to clear it out and you're going to be fine, you know, down the road. We're starting to learn that they don't necessarily get cleared. They don't, you know, sometimes they end up where they don't belong. They end up in the lymphatic system. They could you know, they could just like sit and and get and and you know, I wonder if to, part of it is the body recognizes a foreign substance and goes to encapsulate it. Like the body will often do that with things it doesn't recognize or doesn't like, and it'll it'll kind of encapsulate it and sequester it, and then it's stuck, right? Mm-hmm. But when you talk about these Botox peptides, is it that they actually is it by affecting the ability to contract? like the Botox does, but it doesn't do it with a toxin kind of thing? Yeah, some of them are derived from Botox, exactly. It's just they similar to things like um, what's the thymus and TB4. Yeah. Similar to that, you've got the whole big Botox peptide. They just take the bit that inhibits the um, what are they, the neurotransmitter release, inhibits okay. acetylcholine. So that's basically how they work. There's another mechanism where it antagonizes this complex called SNARE. And that is, um, and again, similar mechanism. That's by inhibiting snare, you inhibit the neurotransmitter release from the from the neuron to the muscle, and then by stopping that release, you're stopping the contraction of the muscle and relaxing it. And that's how you get sort of less of the lines. And, um, so then you would you would just apply that where you need. I mean, I can't wait to get my hands on this to play with it because you know if I put it in the wrong place, am I going to end up kind of frozen? <laughs> Unlike Botox, it's it's only a short half-life. Peptides don't hang around long in our system. And once they've triggered that pathway or once they've bound to the receptor that we want them to bind to, they elicit their effects for, you know, a few hours to, depending on how far the cascade goes, it's usually right. a few hours before they're broken down. Um, so you don't have the issues of, you know, like Botox. It hangs around for months or hyaluronin people inject. 
a lot of, there's a huge thing now that's sort of coming to light where people are having to get hyaluronase, the enzyme that breaks down hyaluronin, injected into their face because it's just clumped and accumulated and mm. it's meant to be utilized. And, you know, I love hyaluronic acid as a supplement, but it doesn't seem to work when you just inject it into the skin. And somehow. a lot of people somehow, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's funny how that works. <laughs> It's almost as if we're not meant to take things in that way. But, um, yeah, the other thing that can happen too with hyaluronin is it can actually block up the lymphatics too. So you don't have lymphatic drainage and you can end up with a lot of swelling either or even as bad as necro- necrosis if it gets into a small capillary too. It can be injected into, into capillaries by accident. But, you know, it's not – it can only be a one in a hundred thing, but if you're that one out of the hundred, then, you know, you're not going to – Oh, yeah. You're going to – complete opposite of what you're looking for instead of looking better you're going to look a lot worse yeah no and with with not a lot of solutions around right like i mean i was telling you earlier that i met a woman recently who who had these threads put in and so the threads the idea is that you know while when they get put in they they have a lifting effect and but they also cause some kind of micro trauma which which drives the production of collagen so the idea is as they get absorbed broken down and reabsorbed by the body, you're then left with, you know, with better structure, like more collagen, except that in her case, for some reason, either her body rejected it or she's had an allergic reaction or some, or some bug got in there. And she's been on steroids for, I think it's like over a month, if not two, trying to bring down the swelling in her face. And there's very little there's very little recourse for her to have these things removed. And so she almost has to kind of wait for it to, mm. to resolve. So, I mean, look, you know, lots of people get these procedures done and do just fine. But the I think what we're getting at here is if there's a way to use um, products topically that give you that effect without the downsides of pushing things into your body that maybe don't belong there, then... Um, I think a lot of us are kind of all in on that, right? And and I think that's why there's so much interest in in topical peptides too, you know? I mean, you've got you've got a beautiful trio there in addition to the Snap8 and the Argelene and the Synac. Um there's another product out there with a proprietary peptide called OSO1 which has its own list of benefits. So, I think that as time goes on and we get more of you big brains putting your putting your attention to the problem and identifying all these different pathways and ways that we can really kind of upregulate and optimize the skin instead of just trying to force your way into I don't know changing the way people look mm, more mechanistically exactly. if it as as it were so anyway so we've we've moved on from liver to skin and you know we did talk about how they are intrinsically linked and i think that that's an important point right because no matter what you do if your gut health your liver health if those detox pathways aren't optimized your skin is ultimately not going to look as good as it could um, is there anything else we wanted to say about those? Because I wanted to finish up with a little bit of a backtrack to the GI um, formula because we've gotten so much great feedback on it, but there's a couple of caveats that I know we wanted to share with people. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll finish up with the um, injectables too. When you're injecting Botox, like it doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen that it does drain through to your liver, through the lymphatics. 
And that is Botox toxin. It does have an effect on your liver. And it, I, I read somewhere as well that if it does enter this the lymphatics, it can also affect your vagal tone and push you into sympathetic dominance, like as long as that Botox is, is there for. So there's another potential, you know, yeah. straw that breaks the camel's back if someone's already sort of hyper in too much of an adrenal um, insufficiency or they're too high in their sympathetic nervous system. But yeah, let's um get back to GR repair and talk a little bit about why some people don't react too well to it. Yeah. And well, I is- think, yeah, I think before we get into the people who don't react well to it, I can tell you that, you know, in my community of a lot of people now, the overwhelming majority <laughs> will sing the praises of the GI repair. Like, is it repair? Ultimate GI repair. Ultimate yeah. GI repair. That I'm like, GI repair is just not enough for this thing. So for <laughs> ultimate GI repair, ultimately, sorry, how many times can I say ultimate in the same sentence? You have legions of people just in love with this formula because it has so many, like it just, it's, it's a little bit what you said earlier, rather than having a mitt full of 15 pills in your hand, you're mm-hmm. you've gotten it to the point where people can take a couple of capsules a day and, and be done. Like there's there's so many key ingredients and then supportive ingredients in there. But at the same time, and I think it's kind of to be expected, right? If you come up with a formula that's that's powerful, you're gonna come across people who are more sensitive or more vulnerable and for some reason just don't tolerate it as well. So we kind of wanted to give a nod to those people and maybe give them some some direction in terms of how might they 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 go about this differently or how to use the the supplement differently so that it they can tolerate it basically mhm all right well that's let's start with um I'll 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 start with fats because both in regenerate KPV and GI repair there is palmitol ethanolamide PEA which is a fatty acid and in GI repair there's tributyrin which is a an acid as well it's a fatty acid that directly feeds enterocytes and the colonocytes. Yeah. Both of these are fats. And if people have issues with fats, like as we mentioned before, um, if you don't have a gallbladder and you're taking these products, it could be the fat that's actually triggering the the, the nausea. But really? for most people, yeah, some people are so, so, so sensitive to fats that it, like I had a, a customer who asked me to just do BPC without the PEA in it. And I'm like, oh no, but they work so well together. And they're like, I just can't have any fatty acids. My gallbladder has been removed. And, you know, I, as soon as, if I have even a gram of fat, I just on the toilet and I'm like, oh. So but what they, if they took ox bile with it still? Still. Yeah. I even took, they, they took to cure as well. And I just think, you know, there's when you look at the population, if, if there's a thousand people, there might be just that one person out of that thousand who have that difficulty with fats and, you know, extenuating circumstances with a gallbladder removal. I know they're not all that common, but they're mm-hmm. not uncommon. You know, there, there might be. Like no, there's all- lots of people walking around without a gallbladder. I mean, it's 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 a very common procedure, right? Especially a lot of women after pregnancy, their gallbladder's taking a real hit and Yep. If you're not taking care of Doesn't, your digestion, it's it's really grinds my gears that they just take that out as if it's no big deal because yeah. it's so important. I think we spent like a third of this podcast talking about bile and gall and the gallbladder. But um and the other thing too, when you remove it, you haven't actually fixed the reason why it yeah. was it had some issues with it. So it's kind of just West very, very Western medicine approach to not looking at the whole all these systems that we spoke about. Um, but yeah, so fatty acids, PEA, yeah. triburin can be the first one. 
The second one and the most likely, because it's usually like one or two out of 10 people that might react this way, is I did put a big dose of zinc carnosine in there. And I really, really love zinc carnosine as an ingredient. I think it's fantastic for the stomach, for mm-hmm. people who have pylori, for people who have reflux. The carnosine is so um, nourishing and anti-inflammatory to the, to the stomach that the dose that I use in that is clinic- clinically what was used to, to treat these conditions. And if you go on examine.com and look at zinc carnosine, the 50 milligram dose in there is exactly what you should be taking. But some people, um, it's it, it's either both it's genetic or situational. Some people react to high doses of zinc. For those people, I say, oh, well, just try one. And if you still react to that, then I'm like, all right, then take it with some fats, take it with some carbohydrates. Um, my sister's one person who is... Uh, reacts to high dose zinc you know zinc's important it's an essential mineral but again it's uh, it's like if you can't if you're not absorbing it then the zinc is just going going to cause gi upset and i think that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of people have been saying that they not a lot of people but a few people have mentioned that they feel a bit nauseous from this product um, and that is the zinc carnosine. Um, you could swap it just for BPC or KPV if you really. There's just no way around the the fact that the zinc carnosine, even but, in, even in half dose, if that's still doing causing an issue, and even if you've taken it with fats or carbohydrates, right? Or even like you probably shouldn't do it with protein because mm-hmm. protein, if you've taken GI repair with protein, you're less likely to absorb the peptides, is because protein will stimulate acid secretion from the stomach, and we do buffer the um buffer the gi repair from being acted upon by pepsin but it's still you, there's no getting around the fact that when you've consumed protein you're basically making the perfect conditions for protein peptide digestion so um, right so so you might take it with a little bit of avocado or something something yeah, fatty yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yep that doesn't exactly have a whole lot of- even carbohydrates i know like a lot of people are keto and paleo so maybe the avocado is a better option but yeah Carbs or fats, they're not going to stimulate that that pepsinogen to pepsin conversion. So you'll okay. do a lot better that way. Um, and third, I think, is some people just unfortunately react, have a histamine reaction to BPC. I think yeah. it's not not uncommon, but again, similar to the first two nuances we spoke about. It's, there's a few people who have that. Um, what to do about that is potentially, I would say, speak to Gracie Lou about why... <laughs> that's happening in the first place there's some big might be some bigger issues as to why bpc is acting maybe upon the immune system causing an immune reaction and the dose might be too high or maybe it's just you know one of those things that you should stop and another one you mentioned too is bpc's effect on the brain this is a bit different from what we're speaking about with the nausea Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not been spoken about much but it's It's not common but it does happen you know, we, yep. we we do see it. I mean, frankly, there's enough people that respond badly to BPC, you know, that kind of uh, anxiety, kind of revved up cognitive response. There's enough of them that they formed a, a support group on Facebook. So they're, they're definitely out there. Usually they've got other underlying issues. But I think the big takeaway on this one is, you know, whenever you're using any supplement, but certainly a supplement like this one, What's really important is to track how you're feeling, especially at the beginning and and keep a diary, right? So that you can go back in that diary and say, oh, I started feeling X, Y, Z on this day. I started taking that supplement on that day. Do they work? Or I mean, is there possibly a relationship between the two? And then 
you know, I, I mean, for me, what I tell people is stop, stop everything mm -hmm. and wait for your symptoms to resolve. Then if you want, start back again at half dose. And if your symptoms come back, you have your answer. Exactly. I desist. <laughs> like, just... So the, the mechanism that Nat's talking about there is some people end up getting anxiety. Is that right? The, the, new, yeah. the brain effects from it. So BPC has effects on dopamine, serotonin and GABA in the brain. And depending on every, everyone's starting point and everyone's baseline, even certain conditions like schizophrenia could be made worse because it increases dopamine um, reuptake. So everyone's brain neurochemistry is different. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a bell curve to everything and this is the same as the fat absorption. But if you know, for example, um, you take something like Macuna Prians, which has L-DOPA precursor and you react terribly, you get horrible anxiety from that or even tyrosine, you react badly to that, then there is the likelihood by the same mechanism of too much ex excess dopamine that you might get anxiety that way. But, you know, with BPC, the fact that it upregulates serotonin and GABA too, which usually balance it out. It's balancing, um, yeah. That's why it's not a huge issue. It's not like SSRIs or any of these other things that exactly. are very helpful on one mechanism. It has the, the multimodal way of sort of balancing it but it still doesn't mean that you know you might get a person who only gets the dopamine effects because of genetic mutations in the, the other conversion pathways with serotonin and um, GABA so again it's so hard to make something that works for everyone I actually don't think that's possible I, but, I don't think so either honestly I, I I don't and I think you know to your credit of being willing to even talk about this on a podcast I mean I can't state enough how many people this formula has helped and to what degree, like people who've tried a lot of things and just weren't getting traction. But I do think that it's always worth mentioning because, and, and you know, there's this narrative with peptides sometimes that is just, especially something like BPC, body protective compound, like it's safe, everybody can use it. It's, it's good for everything. And I think we just always have to keep this whole idea of bioindividuality in mind and this whole concept that there's always going to be someone that may not respond particularly well to any given thing. And so to me, the the big thing on these one on these things is awareness, being aware that and open to the possibility that something's going to work for you or you might be that canary that doesn't do so well with the thing, you know. <laughs> The other, the other thing I thought just of just then is the fact that we've added KPV to the formulation too. I, I think obviously it's hard to tell because the amount of people who have actually purchased and taken the products increased so much since mm -hmm. the old formula. But maybe adding KPV, the fact that it has a modulatory effect on the immune system could be pushing immune reactions and that, that's now in there at a high a relatively high dose for KPV. So that could potentially be another one. And yeah, the more I layers... Yeah, I feel that if it's modulatory, it, sh it should actually mitigate the reactions. I think, honestly, I think that the thing I hear about the most is the zinc carnosine. And that's manageable, to your point, by taking it with the right food, like some carbs and some fats, or taking half the dose. Um, usually those things mm -hmm. will mitigate the, the negatives. I think the zinc carnosine is the most common the kpv because it's so anti-inflammatory and because to your point it's modulatory on the immune system in theory it should be more balancing than anything yeah um to 
to go back to maybe halfway through the podcast too, I forgot to mention um, the bioregulators for peptides. I've been wanting to go back there myself too. I'm like, when are we going to talk about the bioregulator? <laughs> um, Sevedanorm is the bioregulator peptide that has really beneficial effects on helping the liver. The mechanisms for it, I'm not as well-versed as you probably, Nat, and I'm not going to put you on the spot to bring them up anyway, but that's another one that people could add to help support their liver health if they want to do a peptide. I know this community loves them, so... That's yeah. sort of the only one that I've found sort of directly helpful for the liver. Um, all the other ones might have sort of downstream benefits, you know, things like the BPCs. Not There's no mechanism for in which BPC acts directly upon the liver cells that I'm aware of, apart from some of the anti-inflammatory cascade effects that it triggers. But, it, you know... Um, it's protective yeah. to the organs, right? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, <laughs> like BPC is organoprotective, right? So it's good for kidneys, it's good for pancreas, and I think it's good for liver as well. So mm -hmm. BPC is going to have some satellite benefits, if you will, but the liver bioregulator would be a spectacular thing to stack with your liver complex, especially if there's been damage done to the liver, because the idea of the liver bioregulator, it's going to help with regeneration and restoring balance and and health to the liver at a cellular level so it can only it can only help but you know if you've got an if you've got something more acute going on you might start with you might start with the liver comp the complete liver complex and then add the bioregulator after or you might just pulse the bioregulator in and out while you're using the liver mm -hmm. complex I'd say for people too, like you don't need to start with something like complete liver complex, just in the same way you don't actually need to start with GI repair. If you want to fix your gut, you could just start with a few of the botanicals. You could try like a, a powder that might have aloe vera in it or deglycerate, yeah. DGL, the licorice or glutamine. You can try all these minimally in, um, minimal interventions first before you work your way up to, you know, the really heavy hitter with all these different ingredients. And um yeah, the bioregulator, I think, is one of the heavy hitters, just like liver complex for people who aren't getting progress by taking things like milk thistle, for example. I don't necessarily love milk thistle for liver, but it's a it's definitely helpful. Um, and then just removal of toxins. Um, yeah. That's sort of the best way to do it in sauna too. Remove nice. the burden, get the toxins out of you. You're not going to be upregulating phase one if sauna is helping strip them out of the body. Yeah. Anyway. Beautiful. Well, I think that was a, that was a lovely deep dive into the, into another section of the gut. Once again, we came up through the skin. We've circled back to BPC. I think we've done a pretty good job here, sir. So the complete liver complex is, is now available on your website. By the time this is live, it definitely will be. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. This won't be live for a, a little while. And then next up after that, we'll see, is it, is it the skin? topical that's going to come next or do you have something in between that you're releasing i know you're always working on different formulas so i piggybacked the dihydromoracetin the anti-alcohol i piggybacked that on the production of the complete liver complex because it's the ingredient is is a standalone and it's part of that formula so okay i just a couple extra kilograms of that raw to bring that out for people who like to have a few drinks and might react too much to it or might have really bad hangovers. It certainly is very powerful for reducing any hangovers. And even when I was experimenting with it, I had two glasses of wine, took the took two grams of DHM, and then within half an hour, didn't have the wine effect anymore, any of the intoxication effects. Really? It doesn't, it's not going to be like, it's not going to sober you up if you've had eight standard drinks or something like that, but it just speeds up the enzymes that clear it. So if you've, if you've had one or two glasses, it'll 
clear it out that night and has direct um, hepatoprotective effects too, in, independent of those ADH and ALDH enzymes. But yeah, there's that coming next. Um, I'm working on a male testosterone optimization product. That'll be All fun. Wonderful <laughs> things like Sustanch. Sustanch is this fantastic herb that I've become recently obsessed over. Um, Dr. Andrew Huberman has been speaking wildly about Tonkat Ali and Fidosia agrestis. Fidosia yeah. agrestis is great for increasing testosterone. There's no doubt about that. But Sustanch does works by the same mechanism that Fidosia agrestis does without any of the toxicity that is being spoken about with Fidosia. So it increases LH um, and increases testosterone without that, without those negatives. And on top of that, it has an adaptogenic effect. So it helps lower cortisol if you were to take it in the, in the evening. So working on that one, I think I mentioned in your private group that I'm working on a neuro regenerate with dihexa. We couldn't get a pure form of cerebral lysin, unfortunately. So we swapped that out for P21. P21. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. yeah, heaps, heaps in the works. Um, thanks for letting me plug the future things that are coming out and then the skincare too. That'll be uh, trial phase is just about to begin because of infinitesimal delays with for creating that. And actually we, um, we took a bit longer too because some of these peptides we've actually put into liposomes to help their absorption as well. Nice. So yeah, I think it's the, maybe not the first time that it's been done, but it just made a lot of sense to put them in liposomes so their absorption is even better even when we're using forms that have better absorption without the liposomes, it's just an extra layer of, you know, potentially getting the benefits of them. So lots in the pipeline, lots to speak about in the future. And yeah. Well, looking forward to testing it out for sure. So Kyle, where can people find you and where can they get their hands on your amazing products? You can find me at leveluphealth.com, L-V-L-U-P. Um, on Instagram, I'm relatively good at messaging, but with a new baby, that might drop off a fair bit. Otherwise, <laughs> email and um, yeah, I think there's we've got a subscribe feature on our website now, so you can be in, notified when new products are in the pipeline or have been released. And yeah, you can find me on Nat's community quite a lot too. If you're on, yeah, there. you can you can we can find Kyle in the Facebook group and also now in the membership community. He just did an amazing. Uh, live Q&A with us. I can tell you that everybody's sitting there waiting to sign up to be your guinea pig for your next, uh, for the face formula. So if you need testers, they're all waiting for you (laughs) in there. And for listeners of the podcast, we have a discount code for you, which is NAT10, and that'll save you 10% off of any of Kyle's amazing concoctions and formulas. All my health goodies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're like kind of like an alchemist. I think that's, that was your, that's your thing. Thank you. I'll take that one. I like it. Yeah. No, I think that's a good one. Anyway, Kyle, thank you so much. And thanks for taking time with a new, what is it? How old is your baby? Three days? Three days. Yeah. Three days old. So you're doing remarkably well. Let's see you in, in three months. He'll, you'll have a circadian rhythm all lined up sleeping through the night. I, I just know it. <laughs> All right, Kyle, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as always, and I'm always looking forward to the next time. Thanks very much, Nat. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. 
And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.